Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. another new new thing this week we are um, on Freedom Revolution Network we're trying to use Spreaker and it is a lot nicer I like the interface on this hopefully it works out really good because I'm I'm just excited to make it work and from what I've heard the sound quality on Spreaker is really good and I'm just kind of hopeful that it's all gonna be like really cool for you guys, right? So um, while we're talking, I'm gonna see if I can like share a link onto my Liberty Librarian page, and I'm gonna see if it's showing up on the Freedom Revolution Network site. So bear with me while we get through this like little bit. I know it's like change is hard, right? It's so difficult sometimes. Okay, I'm just. I don't see it there, so I don't know that that link worked. Oh, there it is. It works. It automatically shared, so that's a good sign. I'm going to share this to my group, the Liberty Librarian, and then we can start talking, right? New show now. Okay, here we go. Da -da -da -da. So exciting. Anyway, guys, so today I have some interesting stuff to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about masks. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I've been watching the show The Watchmen on HBO. And it's really good. So it's disturbing and gritty, but good. And about masks for superheroes, for other characters, for people in the real world. And we're also going to talk about... A little bit about real world stuff like uh, Hong Kong has gone through um, a legal battle uh, between uh, the people in Hong Kong wanting to wear masks for various reasons. Uh, there are reasons like uh, for health reasons people wear masks. They are you know there's so many people that live in the communities and so surgical masks are a thing but also the police in Hong Kong uh, not wanting people to wear masks because they want to track down people. So, yes, and my husband just got home. Yay! Everybody. So, we're going to try out Spreaker today, too. And so far it looks pretty cool. I'm not sure if it's going to work great or not until it's done, and that's the terrifying part. But um, it has lots of good options, so we're going to see. I'm fingers crossed. Um, I hopefully get everything else going there it looks good looks good everything's coming together I'm gonna do one more share and then we will just get into it let's share on my page 
So lots of places to share, you know, so that way people can find you. Now recording. Live. And then I have to figure out the chat stuff and I'm looking at it and I can't really figure it out. There's no chats. Feels lonely. I'll be the first. I'll say hi. Hi. Chat room. And then I'm not sure this is the one that our group is going to be using, so we'll, we'll just leave that there for now. No worries, right? So this day, it's a Monday, we finally got to watch the Mandalorian show, and I'll totally spoil everything for all of you. No. But it was really, really good. We got the, the plus, as they say, the Disney plus. And uh, it was it was quite impressive, honestly. Uh, they have a lot of all the Star Wars, so you know I'm in a Star Wars household, so we we enjoyed it completely. And we watched the first two episodes, and they feel like they go so fast. And it felt like you kind of wanted each one to be like another 20 minutes long, but real tight editing, good storytelling, and um, until you watch them. You, you don't know what it is, but everyone's screaming their head off because they're in love with the characters and the developments in the show. So if you are, send me a, a note and let me know if you're watching that show because it is really fun and we're actually really looking forward to keep watching that. And uh, The Watchmen is also one of the ones that I have. Um, I didn't get to watch it last night. We were out of town. And uh, so I missed the this week's episode of The Watchmen. So if something crazy happened, I have no idea. But after the show, we're going to be watching that tonight. So very cool. And, you know, I watch a lot of weird shows that put me into my tinfoil hat mood. I watch, uh, you know, The Watchmen does it. Uh, I also watch Mr. Robot. I don't know hardly anybody that watches that. And I love it. It makes me all dystopian terrified of the world and I think that's part of the reason I have this show is because you know you get really good fiction that points out the truth in the world and it really opens your eyes and that's why I'm a big believer in uh, sharing some concepts of freedom truth in the American way in your fiction in your movies in your TV shows so that way we don't forget how important it is to have privacy protected and to have freedom of speech. So every day I think about that. So anyway, how are you guys doing? Hopefully you're all well. Hopefully you're hearing me right now. I, uh, I see my voice moving things, so that's good. I might tweak my sound up just a little bit so it's a little bit more medium. I think that looks good. If it's too loud, we'll tweak it down next time. Um, I think like this looks good. I kind of like that. There's not much else going on here. Um, I'm going to go right into intellectual freedom news. It's been just a crazy day. Mm. Take a little sippy sippy. Okay, so I picked out this article from uh, American Library Association's Intellectual Freedom News Group, which is a great resource for all your intellectual freedom news. If you want, if you like what I talk about, there's tons more there every week. Every Friday they post a bunch more. So the one I was looking at was local journalism is in crisis. And this is something that's not really news to me because um, I went to, my undergraduate degree is mass communications. And so that's a, like 
journalism and, and video media, radio, all that, or public relations in there. But uh, when I graduated back in the day, uh, there were still enough newspapers. I could get a job. I interviewed for jobs at newspapers. And it was such a bad gig at the time that I, I mean, I like to eat food. I like to have a beer every now and then. But, you know, it was like part-time gig. It wasn't enough to like live on really at all. It was probably worse than working at a fast food restaurant. And I decided at that point that um, I didn't really want to do beats like where I was like doing ag, where you follow like, you know, the farming and the prices of livestock, etc. And um, so I decided that some of the classes I had learned in school were learning about graphic design so I went down that path and then I went down into libraries so that's why I'm the Liberty Librarian today but a lot of people did stick with it and it's a noble profession writing and finding the truth and it and I feel like I've come full circle because I was always interested in, in bringing light to the darkness of the world but you know you got to eat so my librarian gig definitely makes it so I can have food on the table and security. But um, I think that journalism has changed so much from it used to be newspapers and TV news. And now I think most people, most younger people uh, get their news from their social media sources. And you may read a few websites that are news related, but you're not necessarily going to the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal or even USA Today. You know, you're going to uh, your Facebook feed and your friends are posting things and your friends hopefully aren't posting fake news, but you know, that happens too. And we live in a world where the news cycle is so fast. You know, it used to be like 24 hours and now it's like, you know, every hour you're like, oh, that's old news. This is the new news. So, small newspapers can't even keep up with that. And what I was reading about in uh, brookings.edu, educational resource, they were uh, tracking um, why America must revive its local newsrooms. And I thought that was quite interesting because there are over 65 million Americans 65 million Americans live in counties with only one local newspaper or none at all. So it's, it's dropped considerably. And they show in their article a map of uh, the dead zones where there are no local newspapers. And uh, where I live, there's a lot of local newspapers. But there are areas of the country where there's nothing. And it's, they say the traditional business model that once supported local newspapers, like relying on print subscribers and advertising, has become difficult to sustain. And they talk about um, very few Americans hold print subscriptions. And newspapers are struggling to amass digital subscribers. Because a lot of times you can just go on the internet and look up things. Google News, whatever. And I work in a library, so we provide newspapers. And a lot of people who work in my institution come and read our local newspaper there. Uh, I will say, 
I've hardly ever seen students come and read the newspapers except when they have assignments and they're assigned to go do it. So obviously this is not something that young people do willingly. Now, I think about the podcast format and maybe that's another way that if you find a trusted news source you can keep listening and getting your your good quality information and maybe that works I'm not sure so what's going on with it why is it happening and it says it's greater and greater you're just seeing um, between 2008 and 2018 the newspaper industry experienced a 68% drop in advertising revenue. The money is not there. Advertisers are avoiding newspapers like the plague. Le plague. And you see that um, newspapers have seen revenues from digital advertising grow. So that is like the great new thing. They're, they're saving themselves at least the larger um, more respected newspapers are having that. So it makes up a share, but the shrinking pie is still greatly, greatly shrinking. So you look and they have like the, the charts that just show everything's dropping like crazy. So Facebook and Google aggregate and distribute news content, which helps publishers reach news customers, but they also serve as news publishers' greatest competitors in the digital advertising market. So the dominance of Facebook and Google and digital advertising poses a particular challenge for local newspapers. You know, the large ones can, they can keep up, at least right now. But little small town newspapers, they can't. They don't have enough workforce. They, they don't have the clout on, on, you know, Facebook and Google. So when it comes to digital advertising revenue nationally, the two companies account for 77% in local markets, squeezing the local news publishers. So there's aggressive cost cut cutting going in. And companies, local newspaper holding companies are also to blame for the local news crisis. So they're cash strapped, they have an erosion of advertising revenue, and they're under-resourced. And they're, they're in an impossible situation, trying to do more with less as their newsroom staffs have been cut in half or more. And that, and that makes me sad because as somebody who, this was originally my dream job was to be on a big newspaper in a large city. And I see it as almost an impossibility. Yay, I just saw a message from our tech, our webmaster. Yay, I was gonna call you tech goddess, but yes, that's what you are. Melissa, yay, we're on, live on the website. Everything's working, woo! Okay, good. Sorry, had to, had to say yes. I had, anytime I get feedback, I'm excited. So, yay. Um, so anyway, back to the local news crisis. So there's disengagement from people. And part of the political thing that's going on is that people aren't getting the facts, you know? Um, Real true journalists are, are not about sensationalizing everything. They want to give you the truth. And the truth sometimes is gritty and dirty and um, show bad things happening. And a lot of times the new news media is about um, exciting and sexy news and things that, you know, you may get paid a little bit more to put this in front of people or to make your advertisers happy. 
It's more about money. And it takes away the purity and the, the trust that the public would have for news sources because now there's a, a, a widespread feeling that you don't trust them because they're bought. And, and sometimes that's true. Especially when you're seeing more and more of uh, the bigger uh, news organizations growing it and everyone else is dying off because they're making concessions and they're uh, doing what they have to survive. So the big question confronting the industry today is whether the challenges confronting local newsrooms reflect a process of creative destruction or demonstrate market failure. So ongoing threats to the commercial viability of local newspapers, as well as the development of nonprofit models for local news, suggests that the market for local journalism, if left alone, will mean continue to undersupply local coverage. And and to this, there there is a big if in my mind, and I and I'm 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 buying into the whole like podcast news. And I, I love some of the video news, the gonzo news that's going on right now out there to everywhere. Um, people are taking their phone cameras and recording news live and capturing moments. But there, the old person in me also wonders, you know, I went through training and editorial process and uh, ethics and you feel like there, there's a lot of uh, knowing what what is the right thing to do versus the the thing that's going to get you viewers, and and that's why this show is probably going to be just like a, a nice little gem that lives out there on the internet. But I don't expect ever to be making a lot of money doing this. I just want a place where you can have news about privacy and censorship and freedom of speech but I'm okay with highlighting that there are evils being committed by large corporations and governments and that means that I will be suppressed in some way I mean you you gotta you have to understand that but um, if I was on a major news site news feed I would be Told, like get it sexier get the get the funny stuff out there keep that up because you're probably losing people and that's okay sometimes you have to stick to what you know in your heart is true so what this article goes on to say I disagree with some of their ideas um, they're looking at ways of making local journalism viable and they talk about having public funding for local journalism and that might be a conflict of interest but it would be one way they say um, maybe each community if they want to have a local news organization you know the government provides funds sort of like I think what NPR or you know like we have Minnesota Public Radio and that kind of stuff Um, so it's you'd have to do fun drives, you'd have to do things like that. And then they still would probably have to have advertisers and that sort of thing. But it would be very difficult to keep it separate from government reach, especially in a very small town. Um, when you have something that's in the Twin Cities of Minnesota, you can distance it a bit. But 
I do think that there's something that has to be done because we're losing a valuable resource of, uh, of not just information, but uh, tracking what's happened in people's lives in the community. And there's a historical side of this is that um, without a news to just say, this is what happened here, where are you going to store this information? Where are you going to have a record of what has happened in your community? And it's going to disappear. And I just think about online resources have this kind of ephemeral, you know, everyone says it lasts forever. But does it, does it really, like we switch systems and is it gonna be all gone? So that's one idea. They want a public fund for local journalism. Um, they think that maybe if it isn't um, even um, locally funded, but like maybe a national grant kind of system where you can have newspapers go through that. Um, they also talk about, they want to address the ways large online platforms undercut the business models for local news. So they say attacks on large online platforms. I don't think you should damage the ones that are succeeding. Um, I just think that seems like a little bit unfair to be trying to level the playing field that way. Um, antitrust laws that gives news publishers the ability to collectively negotiate with online, large online platforms. Um, antitrust investigation into Facebook and Google to see if they are conducting digital advertising in a fair and just way. And um, anti-competitive behavior that on their part to, that destroys small local news. It, there's, um, but who's overseeing this? I, I think that they're always going to have a need for local journalism. And um, keeping it profitable may not be the sort of thing it turns into. Maybe it becomes a nonprofit organization model. I mean, there's lots of ways that you could make it work. But we need to continue to have free press. We need to continue to have freedom of speech. It's very important that we have a voice for people everywhere. Now, will it be on the printed side or will it con like change and morph into something new where it lives online? Probably, but I don't see that this is something that's gonna totally go away. It's just we need to be concerned with making sure it lives on and that the tradition of unbiased, fair journalism lives on somewhere. And that's all that matters to me. It, maybe we won't have paper newspapers anymore. That seems like it, that's just the way it's going. But if it lives on electronically, I just want quality. I want it to be unbiased. I want it to be trustworthy. That's all. So think about that. If you have the way to save us all and continue to have good local news, uh, share your ideas on my Liberty Librarian Facebook page. Okay, so we got that out of my system, right? Take a little sippy sip. Mm. Okay, so I found another article called, it's from SeaTech, uh, and it talks about can facial recognition technologies, privacy, and the freedom of expression coexist? And this is going to be tied into my next discussion. So we're kind of going a little light on the news today because what I'm going to talk about for the rest of the hour will be um, basically 
masks, right? So facial recognition technology. This is in C-Tech. C-Tech is kind of a new news source to me, but it says tech policy ever experts Limewar, Schmerling, Magazin, Magazinic, and Noam Rosen uh, outlined possible measures to reduce privacy infringement caused by law enforcement agencies' use of facial recognition software. So this ties into Hong Kong. Hong Kong government issued last, an order last month which prohibits demonstrators from wearing masks so that the law enforcement authorities can identify them. Yes. And, um... Usually when they do that, those people end up dead. I mean, I'm just going to tell it like it is. Once they identify who the people that they consider the enemy are, a lot of governments just kill them or throw them into jail, torture. There are many reasons to wear a mask. Demonstrators were also reportedly lately to have knocked down smart lamp posts because they're all across the city. Um, Chinese government, they believe, were using the posts to spy on them and having cameras on them. Deployed initially to track illegal waste disposal and traffic conditions, including capturing license plates, the lampposts in Hong Kong have embedded sensors and cameras. So as an alternative to masks, demonstrators have resorted to more creative ways, such as jamming the facial recognition cameras by shining laser lights into the lens. So facial recognition technologies can tell if two Im images are the same person. They work by generating a unique profile of a person's facial biometrics, matching it with the biometric image data in already tagged images. The technology is effective even if only part of the face is exposed. So if they can have your back to the camera, they might get just enough of the side of your face to get you. This is worrisome. It works on photos acquired both by still or video photography. So when that person is on the mood, they can still like track into the face. The system matches two facial profiles. The program generates a numerical value and it indicates the probability of the two faces belonging to the same person. And I'm going to remind you from previous shows we talked about that some facial tracking software has been wrong, it, especially with um, it looks like African-American population, there are a lot of uh, people that it's mistakenly said it's someone else. So if, it's re so if the government there is relying on facial recognition software to throw people in jail or kill them, it would be a mistake to just rely on that. But anyway, I digress. So they're armed with this technology and the government authorities can track both criminal and legitimate protesters. And the emergence of facial recognition technologies and fast adoption of street cameras around the world has led to significant enhancement of surveillance and tracking strategies. Over 64 countries are using facial recognition technologies today, with China in the lead. It may not come as a surprise that non-democratic nations are investing heavily in these technologies, but they're not alone. Chinese tech company Hawaii uh, Technologies website lists quite a few European cities as clients outlining their customer success stories and implementing facial recognition technologies in their smart city initiatives. So Big Brother is always watching. Most democratic states protect the right to demonstrate under the law or constitution based on the understanding that demonstrations allow people 
who have no access to, to decision makers to voice their opinion and impact public policy and agenda. In Israel, the freedom to demonstrate is an integral part of the freedom of speech, classified under basic law, human dignity, and liberty. The Israeli courts consider the freedom of speech a supreme right since it constitutes a precondition for exercising other rights. Nonetheless, it is not unlimited. The right to demonstrate is protected only as long as people exercise it in peaceful ways and according to the instructions of law enforcement. So when they stop listening to law enforcement, then they consider it illegal. But sometimes law enforcement is doing illegal things under the order of government that is uh, corrupt. So the debate on technology's in impact in human rights has intensified recently. The use of facial recognition technology could be claimed to discourage people from legitimately exercising their freedom of speech and was referred to as a cooling effect. This argument is based on the notion that people feel at ease to take to the streets and express unpopular opinions anonymously. But they will likely refrain from doing so if they know they can be identified, even if no direct sanctions are involved. So yes, I mean, would you protest if you knew that it could affect your life? If you could go to jail for it? If you could lose your job? Or you could be hunted down and killed? I mean, there's a lot of reasons to be worried about this. So opponents to this argue that regulation is desperately needed and that the technology is being used disproportionately. And there are other ways that they can be gathering the data without having to do, use the cameras. And then some software programs base their match on biased data, which may lead to false positives, in particular when it comes to people of color and women. So there are valid concerns that the authorities might retain data and compile blacklists. So you could be on somebody's list for um, these and take away your human rights. Artificial intelligence can be used in it to mine medical and mental health data. So while the use of biometric identification of millions of people may help track down a few suspects, you know, that may um, impede the safety of people, um, that's not always what it's used for. It could turn us into a big brother um, society that's under constant surveillance. So democracy and the right to privacy may be in danger. Um, California now has decided to prohibit the police from using facial recognition technology in the police officers body cams at least for the next three years. So our government in some parts of the country is working hard to try to put a, a stop to this. And then while Israeli law stipulates that taking a person's photo within their private domain constitutes a privacy infringement, one can argue that using facial recognition technologies in the public domain where a person intentionally hides this part of their face to make it unidentifiable is the same as taking a person's photo in their home without their consent. So if you're wearing a mask, that means you don't want to have your picture taken. And you know, it doesn't necessarily mean you're trying to rob someone. It just means you know that they are abusing your privacy and you should have the right to wear a mask uh, in, 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 in a smart situation. I know that some people will say, <laughs> I think back to when a coworker who on Halloween wore 
her Halloween costume into a bank and then realized where, when she walked in she was wearing a mask and it could be construed that she was trying to rob the bank. So, I mean, within reason and intelligently, of course. But even just requiring authorities to inform the public about the existence of surveillance cameras to mitigate the privacy infringement might deter people from attending a demonstration. If you know um, they're going to be videotaping everyone, why would you want to go? Especially if they are banning face masks so you couldn't even cover up your identity. So nonetheless, privacy protection laws often exempt law enforcement authorities from their responsibility to privacy infringement, providing the infringement was reasonable and necessary to allow them to fulfill their duty. And the UK Supreme Court recently ruled that the use of facial recognition cameras for maintaining public order and detecting criminals is lawful under both the European Human Rights Convention and the Data Protection, no, General Data Protection Regulation, GDPR. And it's important to note that the British police have made sure that the cameras comply with GDPR prior to implementing them. So the, the British police had a privacy impact assessment and used their findings to design framework for data collection, processing, and retention policies that comply with this law. So it's happening everywhere. To summarize, the legislator ought to ensure that facial recognition technology does not infringe on the right to privacy and freedom of expression in its quest to reap the benefits technology has offered in terms of public safety. And it, it can be used in a bad situation. It can be a mistake if they tie it to the wrong person. So it has to be very accurate and relevant even no matter what, but how, how do they know without doing it? So. I, I just err on the side of maybe they shouldn't have it. Maybe it's too much of a, um, imposing into our lives. And especially in America, I feel that we're pushing it too far anyway. So whenever the system detects a match, a human examiner must be named to inspect it before further action. And we don't want false positives. And the law enforcement body must also have rigorous information security controls in place and comply with all legal and regulatory requirements. But, you know, saying that there's policy in place to protect you, we all know that humans screw up. There are people who abuse the system, and I, I, I'm not trusting that this is ever gonna be a safe enough system where it's not abused by someone. So, on that note, I'm going to segue in a little bit more. I have a few more articles about Hong Kong. And so I'm thinking about masks, right? Um, the people in Hong Kong, when they were banned from wearing it, everyone went out in the streets wearing masks in defiance. It was brilliant. And <coughs> it was such chaos. Um, their people were just locked away and, and the protesters. There's tear gas and rubber bullets. A 14 year old boy was shot. It's 18 weeks of protests going on. And the government's use of a colonial era law was designed to keep people off the streets. But it is definitely not working. Workers trickled from their offices on Friday and stood in the midday sun on their lunch breaks protesting the government's latest move to crack down a city's months-long demonstrations. 
Many were covering their faces in opposition to the rumored legislation coming uh, that afternoon to ban wearing masks in public. A 24-year-old protester walked around with a box of surgical masks, urging people to take one. I haven't actually given out that many because everyone already has one, he said. Um, A person named Candy Lee said, we totally disagree with the law. And she had stepped outside the dental clinic where she worked with a couple of her co-workers. Lee said she regularly wore surgical masks after the government recommended doing so in 2003 during the outbreak of SARS. No matter if I'm sick or not, I just wear masks now for health and to protect my privacy, she said, which is smart. Another chief executive, Carrie Lamb, announced the ban officially, invoking nearly a century-old colonial-era emergency rule that allowed her to bypass the legislature. It is essential for us to stop violence and restore calmness in society as soon as possible. We believe the new law will create a deterrent effect against mask violent protesters and rioters. And it has had the opposite effect, as things do. So now everyone's wearing masks. It's an unpopular bill. Four months of unrest in Hong Kong. That would have allowed extraditions to China, which many saw as the end of Hong Kong's distinction from the mainland. Lam has said that uh, she plans to scrap it, but renewed protests over the weekend, Hong Kongers made it clear that they would not accept this ban on masks either, that the way the bill was pushed through only soured residents on the government. So everything they've done has made huge mistakes, and it is just making things worse, really. I just, I, I, I feel for the people there. There was a uh, protesters, or sharing color-coded guidelines to which businesses to hit, targeting pro-government chains and government offices. So they're being very smart about it and meticulous. So both sides, it's a little terrifying. It's going, it's exploding. And um, the control that the government wants to have is um, every time they try to tighten it, it makes people even more angry and reactionary. So there was a 14-year-old boy that I mentioned was shot in the leg with a live round by an off-duty police officer after being surrounded by protesters. Um, Confrontations have escalated across the city. Earlier this week, an 18-year-old was also shot by the police with a live round, the first such incident since the protests began. So, like, in in the last week, two people have been shot. And that tells me that it's, like, getting out of hand. I'm really worried that things are going to get really violent, and it terrifies me. Hong Kong is facing unprecedented violent attacks, and the government needs to resolutely use legal means to stop the violence and restore public peace, said Lam. Um, And this, this is one of those things where you read in between the lines, and it feels like there, there's not a lot you can do to prevent people from protesting this. But it sounds like they want to do everything they can. So sh- shops across the city stayed shuttered and were charred from fires all around the city. I know there's schools that are uh, locked down and people are being trapped inside. It's, it's quite terrifying. There's an immediate injunction to stop the law with the masks that was denied. Um, so that happens. But by the afternoon, with the sub day still partially shuttered, tens of thousands set off on planned marches through torrential rain on both sides of the harbor. Nearly everyone wore masks to find the ban. 
the the new law for the face masks um, carries a penalty of a year in jail and a fine of about three thousand dollars disobeying a police order to remove the mask carries an additional six month penalty and fine there are also exemptions for health and occupations that require a mask so while protesters said they're unafraid of the legislation many said they're worried what worried them more was that other laws Lamb would enact under the emergency ordinance to give her authority to make regulation whatsoever in the public interest. There's already been speculation that this may be the first of measures that may not um, require a vote by the legislature. So she can, Miss Carrie Lamb can just make any law she wants just saying because it's an emergency and they would like that to stop. It feels like she's a king, said a 19-year-old student in a mask on Sunday. Um, it makes Hong Kong just like China, said another protester. So there, the procession on Hong Kong, I, Hong Kong Island stayed peaceful for a couple of hours as the rain continued. But by late afternoon, the law seemed to have only fueled more turmoil as police warned of illegal assembly and fired tear gas in four different districts. So, one of their journalists caught fire. There's a, uh, on Twitter they mentioned RTHK said one of their journalists caught fire when protesters threw petrol bombs at the police. Stay safe, everyone. So everyone there is uh, in danger. Basically, there's a taxi driver rammed into a crowd of protesters, and um, protesters beat him and left him bloodied after the incident. Later posted his personal information online quite terrifying so you get a combination of people who are upset and feel like their privacy is being uh, taken away and that the government is going getting out of control and then these people get out of control with the, the mob mentality it is quite it's scary but is it wrong is it wrong to want to protect your your privacy I don't believe that at all I just think it, the way they're approaching it and not talking and not um, having things kind of calm down, it's leading it to be this breaking point where people are going to die and it's going to be very dangerous. And it, they're infuriated. The protesters get more and more angry. They're trapped. They're, there's fire. There's danger. And it's... The, their very violent protests marred Beijing's celebration of the 70th anniversary of the People's Republic of China. So they're really upset. The Lamb has denied that China has influenced her decision to put a ban into place. But there's a lot of skepticism about why the Hong Kong government acted in this manner and why now. Some have speculated this is a test case so Hong Kong can take harsher measures if it withstands legal and public challenges. But nothing to date has really quelled the pro-democracy uprising in Hong Kong. Any concessions in Hong Kong's government has made, including withdrawing the extradition bill that ignited the movement, have been met with more resistance from activists who want a fully functioning democracy and the preservation of their autonomy from China under the one country, two rules system. So we're going to see more of this. And it's a little bit terrifying. But I do think what's very interesting to me was the whole idea that masks 
protect your anonymity that when you think about masks there's a lot of historical reasons and uh, truth to why they're so important in our societies all societies is very human um, I was looking at first of all like the history of masks and ancient masks um, were used to cover faces for a variety of reasons right they're used for protection disguise entertainment or ritual practices and usually made from various materials um, they said the earliest use of masks was for rituals and ceremonies and the oldest mask was found in 7000 BC from is from 7000 BC the art of making masks could be older but because the materials used for making them like leather and wood did not survive to this day so ancient ancient use of masks have always been happening and yes they were often used for ritual purposes um, very similar in appearance but very different in style depending on where they are found and um, they talk about in Africa ritual masks are used in many different ways in West Africa they're used in ceremonies which people use the purpose is to communicate with ancestral spirits they're made out of wood and with great skill and such masks are used in ritual masquerades of Udo, Yoruba and Igbo, Igbo cultures besides human faces many Af Af African masks are made in the shape of animals it is believed that some African tribes that they make it possible to communicate with animals spirits of savannas and forests one of the more common masks is the antelope it is believed that an antelope have thought people in agriculture or that it symbolizes a farmer some tribes make masks as symbols of different attributes masks with closed eyes symbolize tranquility while a bulging forehead symbolizes wisdom war masks were made to scare the enemy with big eyes painted colors and anger of the carved face so they say that yes the history history of masks probably began about 9,000 years ago and from that moment masks were made and used in thousands of different ways so and there's so many different cultures that have um, use of it and, and they're famous ones from around the world um, a lot of times we see them in performances and theater and movies and sports and they can be used as ornamentation um, we all have like our own thoughts about um, I don't know like masquerade masks like for parties and elegant um, there are also um, complex masks made of wood and leather and bones and feathers there's a uh, shaman shamanic shamanic I can't shaman rituals that represent uh, unity between men their ancestors and the animals that men hunt and they're also used in exercising of evil spirits from the sick there are some masks that were like six meters high and used as protection from evil spirits although I have no idea how you would wear a six meter high mask um, ancient Aztecs used masks to cover the faces of the dead they made them from leather in the beginning but later started making them from copper and gold like a death shroud and then for ritual purposes except for that from ancient times masks were used in theater the oldest theater masks are from ancient Greece and masks used in traditional Japanese no drama 
In time, masks were used in medieval theater and mystery and miracle plays during the Renaissance as well as today. And masks can be used for protection. There were welding masks to protect your eyes and face from bright light and flying sparks, gas masks that protect you from dangerous gases, uh, shield masks on helmets to protect um, and from modern police and gladiators to protect you from getting stabbed in the face, medical masks for oxygen. So, I mean, there's so many different ways to have masks, but the thing that interests me is that uh, a lot of time masks the way we wear them now is sort of a superhero kind of move, right? And I, I was went down the rabbit hole of trying to figure out if there was uh, who was the first superhero. You know, comic books have existed for a while, but the first to wear a mask. And so I looked it up a few different sites and they have a character called the clock. And they say, um, 1940, there's a superhero with a face mask that's actually similar in nature to Spider-Man's, but a little different. So the clock, according to Overstreet comic book price guide, was the first masked superhero in 1936. His mask does cover his face, but it doesn't cover his whole head like Spider-Man's. And I was looking at the picture, and uh, Funny Picture Stories, the all-picture magazine in color. And he's on the cover, and it looks like he's wearing, like, a black tuxedo and he has a cane and he's wearing a hat and um, he's it's almost like he's got a black handkerchief with two eyes cut out and it's it's dropped down from the hat so it just barely kind of covers his face and you can see his ears are uncovered and you can see his neck and his hands are uncovered so it's it's a very loose kind of interpretation of a mask and another is a character called Sandman in his Wesley Dodds. He first appeared sometime in mid-1939 and while his face is completely covered it doesn't really count for reasons that will become apparent. So there are many superheroes who use full face masks. They also have Dr. Fate whose helmet of Naboo covered his entire head and Hawkman whose helmet also covered his entire face. Uh, both were in 1940. So there's like it's like they all appeared around the same time. There's one, um, Marvel was used to be called Timely Comics. And the one was the original Human Torch, whose flames obscured his face, but it wasn't really counted as a mask. There's the Thundered, AKA the Black Avenger in 1941, as well as the Destroyer, who used a blue full face mask. Baron Zemo did. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of masked heroes and villains in our comic past. And um, usually the heroes, it's to protect their uh, identity. You know, you, everyone's got a secret identity, right? So we have uh, Batman, and um, I just think of pretty much like half of the Avengers and Marvel characters that um, wear masks. Um, and yet, we have a lot of bad guys that wear masks, and they do it because they don't want to be detected. They want to be able to like, go about their normal business without people knowing who they are. And also, it gives you a little bit of a, a feeling of dread, because you don't know who they are or what they're about. Whereas the superheroes, 
um, it adds kind of to the mystery of them, yet you know they're protectors. And, and it's a fine line in that. I, I find that comics today, the really interesting ones explore the fact that some good guys aren't that good and some bad guys aren't that bad. And the masks are now becoming something that um, everyday people are using, like in Hong Kong. But then what was really interesting to me was I've been watching the show The Watchmen. And it, it was a, a different kind of storyline than I've ever seen before where they use masks. And, you know, the, the superheroes still use masks because they're now illegal. And I could totally see that happening in the world, as if we had uh, vigilante superheroes wearing masks, they would be put in jail if they could find them. Because you know, the only people that can uphold, uphold the law are the police and the military, probably. But in this world, the superheroes had pushed it too far and they had said, it's illegal and we're gonna throw you all in jail. But more interesting, and this is the twist that I hadn't expected at all, was that um, groups, like, they, they consider them terrorist groups in the story is, um, what was it called, the seventh, how did we call that, what was that group called? Um, it's like the Rorschach from the first movie. Um, he was basically, how do I even say anything about a show? Um, he was considered a hero later on by the Seventh Calvary because he wrote a book talking about the um, the things that happened that led up to many people dying and a squid <laughs> a squid infestation that um, destroyed many people's lives and um, still in the show um, to this day there's um, little echoes of that with. Um, random squid raining from the sky. It's very odd, and I'm kind of wondering if they're going to answer why that happens. But anyway, so there's this group called the 7th Cavalry, with a K, because they're tied to the KKK. And um, this white supremacist group um, adopted that book, and they thought of Rorschach as their hero. And um, they actively targeted police because they felt like they were a part of this conspiracy against um, you know, normal Americans. And they started going out um, killing police. Anyone who was a part of the police organizations, they would target and kill. So what the police did was that they went underground and um, policemen would go secretly to their jobs and they would wear these, most of them would wear yellow masks that cover up most of their face and they'd have a hat on and it would look like they're in a police uniform with this weird yellow mask on. There are a few characters that wear their own unique spin on it, and I don't know why that is allowed, but they they seem like they're detectives or they're special kind of forces type people. But all of them wear masks because the minute your identity is known, you and your family are all in danger. And you see it again and again in the show that people attack them. I mean. And, and when you watch the show, there are really no good guys. I have not met a character that I am not suspect of at all. But 
it's still fascinating because, you know, you see these police groups going and basically there's a, it's like a trailer park city called Nixonville in it, in one of the episodes. And they um, think that some of the terrorists are hiding there and they probably are. So they go to this town and they're all wearing their masks and um, they pick a fight. And it was an easy fight to pick because everyone distrusts the police there. And for good reason, because they show up and they're um, shaking down the, the whole trailer park city to try to find these terrorists. And no matter if their reasons are good, they beat up uh, people who could be considered innocent. Maybe not, they fought back. But if you're at your home and the police show up and start attacking you, who wouldn't fight back? So there's not, like a lack of rationality that I think is fascinating and, and a little terrifying. But you know, it, it keeps everything moving forward. So all of, you have superheroes that are hiding their identities, you have villains hiding their identities, and you have policemen now in this story hiding identities. And it is quite terrifying to me because I could really see this happening. You know, with all the surveillance and the power they have over us, uh, people feel like their grip on privacy and freedom is slipping away between their fingertips. And I could see this happening where police get targeted. There are not a lot of people who are extremely happy with the police. I hear stories about um, people, them going into the wrong house and shooting people, um, going in for some random thing and killing their dogs. I mean, police got to work on their public relations buddies, you know, because I think that it's getting to the point where it's ridiculous. And I'm not sure that the mask would help that much because you see them coming and I think it already puts you in the mood of, I don't trust them. They're faceless, not human. And so I think it makes it almost easier for um, someone who's against the police to feel like I can just get them because I'm, I will never know who they are anyway. So it's a really good show. It's so good. I mean, I just think, um, there's, they're still very traditional and you see the police in here and you have, um, Detective Angela Ibar, and she she's Sister Knight, who is a badass, cool-looking chick, and um, and she's kind of on the outside of it because she does things where she covers up identities and she wants to know the actual truth. So she really doesn't fit into this system with the police there, and I think that's quite interesting. They have a, a character called the Looking Glass who does interrogation using psychology. And the Red Scare, which is a terrifying, crazy person who I can't imagine will live very long in this series, um, who's like the, especially with the red, um, it seems like a, you know, a Russian Nazi kind of thing where they go rushing in and crack skulls and get information however they can. They don't care what they do. So it, it's pretty on the nose. And uh, what's neat is that the in this world, um, the president is Robert Redford, which I could kind of see that happen. Um, there's terrorism and weird um, things that have backfired in society, like um, 
if you followed the first Watchmen movie where you see um, everything was kind of done to make the world more peaceful and have a, an era of utopian um, technology and everyone is happy with each other and not trying to kill each other and it made no difference. Worse, um, what All it did was it made people wary of technology so the world is worse off and they still don't trust each other and then you have groups that are trying to kill the police and kill each other and anyone that gets in the way um, the police and the federal government are trying to get the the heroes of masks so nobody is really safe it's actually worse and in the first uh in the movie they talked about um you know being close to midnight and midnight is doomsday and it's a lot of focus on time and how things have changed and how how things stay the same and uh, the value of humanity and the value of all of us and I think it's worth watching this it's it's not the show that everyone's gonna like but if you are interested in uh, freedom of expression and speech there are a lot of subtle things going on throughout and it shows you history can even if you have changed the path we're on history kind of repeats itself anyway that you're not really gonna change all of it that much so quite interesting to me and they talk about Tulsa a lot and um, the original night owl um, and adopted his costume identity after he was inspired by the appearance of the hooded justice character who um, bloodily broke up um, thugs violence and stopped villains and his son, or actually it wasn't his son, he treated him like a son, but um, Dryberg um, ended up being in jail. And then um, one of the characters who was a part of the Watchmen ends up working for the feds to put people in prison who wear costumes. So everything is kind of full circle and everyone is damaged because the secrecy and the fact that Everything is so out of control. It, it breaks my heart. Oh, I did find a couple other articles that talk about a little bit. Um, they, one was interesting was um, from ABC News, uh, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. They talk about, um, from Batman to Watchmen, the masks superheroes wear tell us a lot about ourselves. And... You know, you got like a bodysuit, like Spider-Man that's all webs, and but he's red, you know? He wants people to notice him. So a lot of these are, whereas you got Clark Kent, who basically, his secret identity is actually Clark Kent because that's who he wants to be. He wants to be a normal person with a job and is respectable, but his real identity is actually Superman. So he doesn't wear a mask because that's who he is. His Clark Kent is um, bumbling and unassuming and Superman was powerful and virtuous, but they're parts of him. And he, you know, he, he's every human. That's the beauty of Superman is that he want, he believes in humanity and wants us to all be safe. And he really loves this world because he was adopted by it. And he wants to protect it. And I think that's why a lot of people have a love of the unmasked superheroes too. But 
there's a lot of public and private persona that um, we all have. And I mean, I think about the characters that you love from shows where they wear masks can tell a lot about you. So a lot of, um, there's colorful capes and masks. The new superheroes um, stop the world of, you know, they it's a good and evil is easily figured out. Nazis were definitely bad and they could be punched in the face. Justice always wins. Um, but nowadays, um, things are a little more shades of gray. Um, previous Avengers were Zorro and superior to man and nature. And a lot of times we have the um, more powerful and strong and some of them were created by, you know, being mutations. And there's a lot of thing how they talk about love triangles in this which is weird um they talk about virtues and they're they're virtue virtue mirroring so i mean i think about superman being like he's a good guy and he's not gonna have sex with lois lane until they're married or something like that right so what do the values that come from the watchmen you know you get someone like rorschach who his value was um truth at all costs. And uh, someone like Ozymandias was um, peace at any cost, even if it means killing millions of people just to have his way. Um, you look at someone like Dr. Manhattan, who really doesn't need to wear a mask because he's blue. And he no longer looks like his human version of himself. And is there any of that that's even left in him anymore? What does he stand for? His is the most sad, even though he's the most powerful at, at this moment superhero, because he is, like time exists all at once for him. And so he could control things, but it's almost like none of it matters anymore. So he represents to me ultimate power becoming something that doesn't even matter because you don't care anymore. And then you get someone like Batman, who is so damaged, but he he wants to use his power as a very rich man to bring justice to the world and to cover up his identity so he can still live and make money and uh, you know be a part of the real world. But he's totally unhappy there, and the only time he he he's kind of a super miserable character, really. But um, the only time he's happy is when he's cracking skulls and, you know, stopping villains, right? So the media in real life is clear in a lot of superheroes. Um, there's a mistrust of masks. Both the, the police, the superheroes. Um, in Hong Kong, the emergency powers have been invoked to ban ma face masks at rallies because they don't trust those people. They fear them. They fear the power that the faceless have. That together uh, an army of masked you know, protesters can put a stop to them. And it is a true fear. So, and I think of, um, God, what it, um, oh, I'm going to have to look this up. But um, there's so many characters where they use that. Here, I'm going to look up. Um, 
Oh, what is that? B for Vendetta. Oh, my brain is stopping. Um, the Gunpowder gun Trees and Guy Fox. Okay. It's like my brain stopped. But um, when you think about Guy Fox, um, that you know, no one would know who it was. And so V for Vendetta was interesting because all these people took this mask and um, wore it to sort of represent that um, we are an army of faceless individuals and you cannot stop all of us. And I wonder if that is coming up now because we're feeling this unease in the world that um, it, everything's closing in on us and the only way we can react is by lashing out and um, to do that you have to be faceless because they can get you <laughs> they can get you good um, so I, I don't know I mean like you have so many different kinds of heroes and then you have like complete opposites like um, the clowns like um, the Joker and so Joker film just came out and he and the Joker is normally a villain a symbol of the common man's modern-day struggle and there's so many threats in the world the mistrust of the elite ruling class the the mistrust of the police the mistrust of our governments and there's chasms of ideology growing between people and politics and society the nonconformist proactive villain has become a hero so his mask was looking like a clown so there there are many kinds of masks in the world and there are concepts of good and bad black and white and it's not enough anymore so when you see a mask now you shouldn't assume it's a good guy you shouldn't assume it's a bad guy you ju should just know that there's something afoot and the world is troubled <laughs> it is so troubled and it's going to be a part of our society and culture for I, I'd say at least the rest of my life but you know for a long long time and it's part of our pop culture our, our persona as, in, as a world and and when you look at stories like The Watchmen and Joker and um, any of the superhero movies you start to see like a reflection of what we, we believe the truth is of the world and I'm excited to uh, learn more I feel like I learn a lot from shows like The Watchmen because there's a lot of darkness in the world but sometimes you learn through the stories because we can't sit and talk about them like I can talk to you about it I'm pretty safe feeling here and I can just go shoot the breeze with y'all but you know when you look at Hong Kong and you see how close that is how easy it is for democracy to be lost in a place and how desperately we all fight to get it we need to hold on to it here and I, I worry for us all there is a, a very dark time ahead of, for us and we need to be aware that our freedoms are being picked away at that things can can go one way or another and we've been pretty lucky and I think about Veterans Day just the other week and you know how hard people fought to make sure we can have our freedom of speech and, and, and these rights and yet people are so willing to just hand them away and 
puts me back in my place when you see a place like Hong Kong and the protesters are better better democratic icons than most of our Americans are. And we should be a little more thoughtful about the freedoms that we hand away so easily. Because things are free and oh, it's for the safety of the children. And oh, don't you want us to watch out for you and make sure you don't ever hear bad words or feel uncomfortable because you saw something bad happen in the news. Or maybe somebody says stuff bad about the government and you just feel, I don't know who I can trust anymore. You know, maybe it's okay to see some bad things every now and then. It's the price we pay for living free. And we need to live free. Soon we won't be able to. <laughs> oh, I feel like this turned gloomy. Um, I, I really want the ideal. I would love it if we had superheroes that saved the day. But I often watch some of the movies. They get it more and more violent. And I remember there's a one Superman. I can't remember if it's Superman versus Batman or Super. No, it was the one that had... Um, the guys from his home world from Krypton and they're fighting in the city and Batman actually looked up and watched and was helping save a lady who got squished in a building fall on her and people were screaming their heads off because you know Superman doesn't would never fight a guy in the city and just not even care that he was knocking down buildings because he would know people would get hurt he would do everything in his power to make sure that fight went out of the city but that doesn't make good television. And I wonder if some of these things are making our, our whole attitude about what's acceptable behavior. It's like, as long as it's exciting looking, that's cool. No, sometimes it's about doing the right thing and you know, standing up for what you believe. And sometimes you gotta show your face. And I wonder, there are always people that will, you'll have the oceans of people wearing the masks in, in the protests. And I, 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 you know, I'm torn because part of me feels like if you believe in something, you should speak up about it and show yourself. But we also live in a world where doing that could mean that you and everyone you love are hurt. So I get it. But I just wish we didn't have to live that way. So do I really want superheroes? Well, maybe if they fly and do cool stuff. I mean, I never understood why Wonder Woman had an invisible jet, but I mean, why why not have something with a cloaking device that turns invisible when you're in it, but you floating around like a weird looking lady floating in the sky, they see you, they see you, there you are. So that's sort of ridiculous. Anyway, so that was my thought of the day, is uh, costume vigilantes with masks. What are your thoughts about them? Do you, do you love them? I think our whole country is obsessed with it, and we love our heroes. Maybe because we don't have too many in, in the real world that live up to our expectations. So start finding your own heroes, right? Be, be the hero. Be the good guy. Be the one that helps, but maybe not with guns and throwing knives and stuff, but with words and thoughts and deeds. Be the hero. 
And on that note, I'm going to end the show on the Freedom Revolution Network of Liberty Librarian. This is the first episode on Spreaker Studios, Spreaker Radios, and I'm hoping that it turns out really good. And I'm really proud to be a part of all of this. And I really am happy, really, really, really happy that you guys have played along so nicely and listened. And hopefully we can make this even better. So we're going to keep tweaking stuff for you, but I think this is one that's going to work out. I'm looking at it. It looks like everything recorded. I'm happy. So I will see you next week, kids. Have a great week. And I know, um, not this week, but next week's uh, Thanksgiving, and so I'm still going to do my show like normal, but it'll be a short week next week. And uh, I hope you have a great week, and uh, stay warm if you're in the north like me, and Stay cool if you're somewhere hot and I'm jealous of you. So talk to you next week, kids. Have a good one. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.